You are listening to episode 133 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and with chainsaw in hand, we wade through the undead in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. That was one of the uh, the better ones, sir. Uh, so this week we played a little bit of uh, Evil Dead Regeneration. We finally got our hands on uh, playing one that hand. game. One hand. One hand with a chainsaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've been talking about that for several months now. So the whole we were going to play it before I moved, and then I moved, and then the Xbox wasn't hooked up. And we took like a break and now everything's hooked up. It was so. like it was like just a game that was like in a box. It was like just one of the only games we could see. And we were like, because all the games were off the shelf. And usually we kind of like casually go over and be like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. And yeah. uh, it finally happened. And you know what? Much to our surprise. Very good. Yeah, it was it was worth the, the wait there. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit further into the episode about that game and, and our overall thoughts. Uh, but first, uh, the articles that we're going to be talking about this week are going to be the nine things we learned from the Epic versus Apple trial. I think we just call it Epic Apple battle. Uh, <laughs> the next one is going to be Nintendo Switch Pro may be revealed before E3. Uh, why E3 is relevant and unnecessary in 2021. And then the biggest E3 2021 games that will definitely be shown. Uh, so we'll kind of talk about our thoughts on each of those topics and uh, and kind of dig into the overall man um, e3 articles. is in the air heavy again i love this time of year that that pre e3 when we're like getting getting some minor whispers here some leaks out there some like what's going on and now oh man it's coming it's coming we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks yeah i mean i'm I've got my thoughts on E3, and, and we'll talk about that here pretty soon uh, once we get to it on the, the top things that are going to be shown. Uh, but, dude, as always, uh, current pickups. Anything for you? Yeah, PlayStation Plus games. <laughs> uh, Battlefield Five and Stranded Deep. Nice. How is Stranded Deep? Have you played it yet? Nope. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, I won't be downloading Battlefield Five because I just don't care for it, uh, but I'll pick up Stranded Deep. I haven't done it yet, so uh, I think that'll be my pickup next week. Yeah, I uh, light on the pickups, light on the gaming this week too. I'll just cut to the chase there. I really did not have time this week to do any gaming, so it'll be mostly you carrying the uh, playing this week. Although I don't think it seems like you've really had much time for gaming either. Actually, I did. You did? I did. <laughs> this is the first time in like a month and a half that I actually gamed. Uh, so my pickups, I picked up Liar Princess and the Blind Prince finally, the uh, like collector's box edition that they had. Uh, there was only like eight left on Amazon, so I was like, eh, I've had my eye on this for a while. It doesn't seem like it's going to be in print super long, and uh, yeah, so I ended up picking that one up, and um, I got to say, the box on that one is a bitch. So if you pick that game up and you're listening to us, uh, I would say the easiest thing that I found to do is it, like... It's tricky. Like when you open up the box, it's got like this really satin type of texture on the paper. So trying to take the, like the disc out of the actual open box, it's damn near impossible. Like you cannot open. I'm talking like the flap. Like, you know how you have a box and it has like the little insert that goes in, you pull it out and you try and lift up the flap would not lift like to save my life. I couldn't do it. And the only other option would be to like tear it. Right. So I found that if I took a super thin piece of like pretty tough paper and stuck it from one end to the other and then lifted it up gently, I was able to actually open up the box with no problem. 
Uh, but other than that, like if you actually went on this game on Amazon, looked up the reviews from people, that is like the one review is like, it's a beautiful set. It's got a lot of great stuff. The box is an absolute bitch. To open up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one qualm people had. It was funny. Uh, so I picked that up. Uh, I finally got my collector's edition of Biomutant. Uh, so I can't wait to start that one. I've heard, you know, mixed reviews. But then again, you know, I like Last of Us 2 for the most part. And there were mixed reviews on that. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And then I picked up Captain Tsubasa on the Nintendo Switch for three pennies. What? <laughs> three pennies. So Walmart was having one of those like, uh, like removing stuff off the shelves to go ship it out to corporate. So that's like a soccer game, right? Yeah, it's like an anime soccer game. So sometimes you'll go into a Walmart and they won't sell it to you. But there was this one guy that happened to be there. I'm like, look, dude. I'm like, it's right there. You guys are either going to ship it off to corporate to get destroyed or you could sell it to me for three cents. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'll sell it to you for three cents. So he gave me a copy. I was trying to get you a copy, but uh, I would have taken that deal. They didn't have two. <laughs> I like they had two in stock, it said, but he was searching all over. He didn't find it. I'm like, damn, like I was trying to get you a copy of that game so you could have it, but it didn't work out. Uh, but yeah, dude, three pennies for Captain Subasa. So I picked that one up. And uh, as far as pickups are concerned, I think that was it. Uh, oh, my um, Ravenloft, my Von Richter's Guide to Ravenloft, uh, finally arrives. So it's actually at Joel's house because mm. I sent it over there before I moved. And then I um, have two other copies that are arriving to my house. God knows when, but I saw tracking information yesterday, said it was in Phoenix. So I imagine it'll be out in this area probably tomorrow. No, actually, it won't be tomorrow. It'll be Tuesday. So either way, I'm excited about that. Awesome. And then uh, currently playing... Uh, I finally jumped back into Jade Cocoon. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So it has been a while since I played some Jade Cocoon, but I, I got more of a feeling on the overall, like, not necessarily the battle system, but the capture system for the creatures. Like, I'm only 15 hours into the game, oddly enough, but I just beat the first Neverworld, which was the fire boss in, uh, I think it's the Beetle Forest. So I have two other bosses I'm supposed to face, and then that should be the game uh, when it's all done. So after this game is complete... I'm going to be moving on to Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. Like, I just have to get that started. Uh, it's already entering into June here, and I have Six months down. Six no months down. No persona progress. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and, dude, like, you should be scared. I've got the game room. It's starting to get up and going. I've got the PlayStation 2 will be hooked up soon, and I'll be finding some Blue's Clues for you. We're going to get that Blue's Clues going. Hey, I'll bring my handy-dandy notebook. We'll take care of it. Oh, my God, dude. It's going to be fantastic to watch you play. Like, we're going to do that for an hour. That's your punishment. That's fine. I can I can One hour. That. And Blue, is it, does it have Steve? Or does it have the guy that replaced Steve? I don't know, but if it's anything like other PlayStation 1 games of that nature, it's likely going to have, like, the... Uh, you know how they have the video... FMV, like, and yeah, like the FMV oh, going yeah. in there. Oh, yeah. perfect! That's what I want. Yeah, exactly. This, this sounds better and better. And now you're the thing. Just, and now if you're you, enticing me. And if you don't beat Persona or Odyssey by the end of the year, you have to beat Blue's Clues. That'll just we'll just kind of call it there and be like, all right, you don't have God, to beat those. I could just but, save myself a bunch of time and just do that up front instead. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could, uh, but uh, then you wouldn't get to enjoy Persona. I know. In a little bit that you. I know played. the game that I chose. <laughs> You chose that game. Dude, I think for your next one, we just need to look at how long to beat.com, uh, not right. a porno uh, website. Well, actually, and... I think I already have thought of what I want to do for next year, assuming I get through this year. <laughs> assuming you get through it, yeah. So if you don't beat those, uh, which be shocked. No, I won't be shocked if you don't beat them. I'll be shocked if you don't beat Odyssey. Persona, I can figure you probably won't beat that just because 
It's an RPG. It's not something you normally play, and you don't dedicate a lot of hours to stuff like that. I'll have to just get started on it, man. I'll have to prove the whole world wrong. Yeah, all of our listeners. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to get started on Conqueror's Bad Fur Day here pretty soon, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it ends up being everything I want it to be. And I am playing on N64, so I really do need to get a couch upstairs. Yeah. That's going to be like the killer, having to sit back on... I don't know what I'm going to sit on up there. I might have to pull up a lawn chair. <laughs> Just there you sit, go. Sit in the middle of my loft with a lawn chair since I don't have a couch yet. We'll get it. All right. Uh, so, in regard to articles. The nine things that we learned from the Epic versus Apple trial. This one is uh, Russell Brandom, and it is at Verge. And so, not, this not all of these articles are really gaming stuff. Uh, some of them are, you know, tangentially related because, like, during this case, if you guys weren't following it very close, like, they brought in a lot of, you know, experts and resources and other companies into this to try to get a gauge on, you know, like, is this really monopolistic? You know, a lot of different information came out that we found out about through this, um, the, I'll go just briefly through the nine things here, and then we'll kind of touch on some of them. All right. So, number one, Apple keeps iMessage closed in order to sell more phones. I I don't think that surprises anybody. I mean, anybody that's had iPhone, you know, iMessage is like a popular feature of that. So, uh, next, uh, PlayStation's Fortnite crossplay deal is even sketchier than we realized. So, we've known that... Sony's kind of been the stick in the mud when it comes to crossplay for a while now. And I think the big takeaway from this is just that, you know, Sony should probably get it together and open that up. But realistically, you know, they don't have to try as hard. Like Epic has so much invested with Sony as like the main place where Fortnite is played. They don't really have to, you know give in as much like playstation has its own ecosystem big enough to support its own player base you know without having to join those other more fractured smaller you know pc xbox and switch uh next up uh apple pulled out all the stuff to keep netflix from selling subscriptions uh, or to keep netflix selling subscriptions on the iphone obviously that 30 percent cut from all in-app purchases is what you know all of this came down to so you got to think everybody that like signs up for netflix on their phone like does that mean that 30 percent of their subscription forever goes so or is it just that initial sign up but either way like whatever iphone had to do to keep netflix from just like not allowing you to like it would be easy as just not allowing you to sign up on the platform and enter your credit card information like restricting that only to other platforms so this was part of that court argument and one of the things that was brought up was that uh apple actually did not charge netflix that 30 percent so or it was reduced like drastically and the main reason being is they didn't want to alienate netflix and screw up that deal so part of that court battle, and I don't know if uh, this article goes too deep into it. I actually read several other articles, but not this exact one. And um, the judge actually brought up like, okay, so you're only doing this on video game purchases? Like, what about banking apps? Mm -hmm. Are you doing it to banking apps where they have to charge? Uh, are you doing it for uh, Netflix? Like, what are you doing here overall? Like, is it just gaming? 
and the CEO They're of subsidizing Apple. yeah so, the rest of the apps yeah so the CEO of Apple is uh, you know just kind of you know it kind of caught him off guard on that aspect like uh, the the argument essentially was that yeah like subsidizing uh, through those applications through gaming for other applications and then they also had recently said like oh well we did it based on like competition uh, the way that we've kind of set up our app store structure and we've recently reduced it to 15% versus 30% and uh, a lot of that was argued by the judge saying like no you guys did that because of all the legal pressure and all of the yeah because the google lawsuits. did it first yeah and it, yeah google did it first but they were like yeah you're doing it because of all the the legal pressure and all the lawsuits and everything kind of coming up that's why you guys are doing it not for any other reason and so it was really interesting to see how that court battle was kind of twisting in a sense in epic's favor yeah um but, but go on it'll I be think interesting we're... to see where the final decision of this comes out because i've definitely heard it laid out that like Seems like Apple's gonna definitely wind up walking away from this fine, but you know, things are probably going to change or maybe going to change, but it's like, it doesn't seem like they're really a monopoly. No, it doesn't seem like they're really a monopoly per se, but I think it's more so on, like one of the arguments that was brought up was, well, why why wouldn't you let your consumers go to uh, other locations to buy this stuff? And the CEO is just straight up like, well, does it matter if they know that they can get it cheaper somewhere else? Yeah. Like, yeah, it kind of does and matter. And that's the only thing that some of these uh, entities are asking for is just the ability to redirect. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of where that whole Sony argument comes into, right? And one of the things that we've kind of learned over the last several several months is their whole thing of not selling digital games in like retail locations and whatnot and only keeping it on their platform. You know, I, I of course argue for the fact that Sony's in their right to be able to sell on their platform. The same thing of Apple. I completely feel that they are in the right to allow people to um, only buy in their store and not go outside. And it's more so along the lines of if you don't like the way that they're doing business then don't do business with them at the end of the day, that hurts Apple, right? Yeah. If however many companies say, you know, what, we're just not going to go on here because it, here's the thing, dude, if you have like a major application, say like Netflix, right? And this is probably one of the reasons that they decided to go that route is if I am an iPhone user or just an Apple user in general, and I've got my iPad and like my kid watches Netflix on the iPad, I download, you know, Netflix movies and such on the iPad for my kid to watch. But all of a sudden something happens to where Netflix says, you know what, screw it. We're not going to support you. We're going to take our app and just kind of do it on our own thing with uh, Android and all of that. Now you have all those Apple users who can no longer access that application and moving over to different types of phones. So like this type of thing hurts Apple in the long run. So I think, it really does come down to if you don't like the way they do business, just don't put it on there. And at the end of the day, it's going to hurt Apple and they're going to come clamoring back for those companies to jump back on if they're major applications. Yeah. But go on. You had like oh, three or so, four more. Yeah. Next, um, the App Store is wildly po uh, profitable, but Apple won't admit it. And this was an interesting point, too. They basically said we don't know how much the App Store makes. And it seems to be like as a business that's required to, you know, pay taxes based on your income. How do you just get to not know that information? I guess you just uh, pay your way through to where you basically don't pay taxes anyways or something. Or you just don't pay taxes because that's how things work, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, the economics of the Xbox is kind of weird. This one was a great gaming takeaway. Uh, I think we may have talked about this a couple of weeks ago, too, when it first kind of came to light. But, like, the Xbox has never made a profit on its hardware. It's a software company. 
and they're trying to make all their money through game pass and i mean in the past just you know games and peripherals and a lot of gaming companies wind up doing that like i remember when I learned that like PS3 had been sold at like a $50 loss for like every console for like the first five years or something. And I was like, holy hell, like how do they even, what's the economics of that? And then you realize, well, it costs nothing to, you know, make a disc once you recoup all of the investment costs. Each one of those discs is just like printing money. It doesn't cost 60 bucks to ship and make it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for on the back end economics of it, uh, I don't, outside of maybe Nintendo, and I don't even know if I, I've never really looked at Nintendo's Nintendo like sells their line. consoles at a profit. Yeah, and that would make sense because they're using typically older soft or older hardware mm-hmm. uh, in their consoles. Hence why they're always what I feel like they're a generation behind. But at the end of the day, if you put out a good product and good games, nobody really cares too much on the graphics side of things. And I think that's where that that line is at, right? Like PlayStation and Xbox, like that's where you're gonna go to get like those top of the line triple a titles that have like crazy good graphics and like great stories and gameplay and you're looking at it more for you know really that graphics right and that experience and that overall like close to not that close to pc tech. but yeah that future tech like you're saying even though it's kind of technically past tech compared to pc but when you look at nintendo it's it's just always been about gameplay and always been about the consumer and just pushing their product and they know their audience and they always know that, about trying something new and innovative also. Well, and just the way that they structure like their games, right? Their games never go on sale. Like you've got games that were released when the switch first came out, like breath of the wild, still 50 bucks. Mm. You know, like they know their product and like, they're not going to reduce the price on their product. The only games you ever see go on sale for Nintendo Third are indie titles. Like, that's about it. Or, like, Rayman Raving Rabbids. Because that's not, like, a AAA title in, in terms of Nintendo. But all of their first-party titles always stay, like, a crazy high price point throughout the entire life of the console. And only afterwards do they dip even slightly. And by that point, they're pretty much a damn collectible. Because, like, everybody just wants to pick them up. Yeah, complete so, inbox Nintendo games, like, are regularly, like, in the 40s. Yeah, it, it's kind of ridiculous. So, I think... That's just Nintendo knowing its market, and I think they know their market a little bit better than than Sony and Microsoft in a sense when it comes to the video games, and just how they're able to turn a profit on just like that gaming. And that, then again, Nintendo I don't think is involved in too much outside of gaming anymore. Uh, so if that's your predominant form of business, you know you're gonna want to take a profit, you know, pretty regularly. Whereas Sony has you know motion pictures and uh, TVs and other types of electronics that are tied to them. Uh, in addition to that console. So for them, they can kind of take that loss and justify it. It's as, just one market yeah, for them. Exactly. So I think that's part of it as well. Uh, okay, what else we got? Uh, the economics of the Epic Game Store is even weirder. Uh, we found out, you know, all the money that Epic's been paying for all these exclusives and to put all these free games onto its platform, and it's cost them a ton of money. But... Like the return on investment for like the amount of users that they've been able to generate, especially with some older games like Subnautica and certain games that were like, you know, have been around for a while and are wildly popular and you can get those IPs on there for much cheaper. You know, you actually get a much greater return on investment than some things like I think Borderlands 3 was their like most expensive purchase that they made to put on there and in comparison didn't garner as much new user activity as some of those other games did 
Well, get this. So for the price that they paid. I was on a, a forum recently, or a, I guess, yeah, a forum technically. And they were talking about Biomutant and how Biomutant was, you know, 60 bucks for a standard, you know, regular edition that it was in box. But if you won the Epic Game Store, it was like $28 mm-hmm. or 37 something like that. It was like crazy discounted. And it was like the day of release. It was that low. So, I mean, yeah, they're pumping a lot of money into these titles uh, to get them onto their app store or, you know, onto their store yeah. in general. And uh, I... For me as a not yet PC gamer, because I'm still waiting for a damn GPU, uh, I can see where that'd be super beneficial for me moving forward to be able to pick up some of those premier titles at a lower end price point and just enjoy them on my, on yeah. my PC. Um, next, Apple gains a lot by slow walking progressive web apps on the iPhone. This is like the idea that, you know, there is like a mobile browser on your iPhone, obviously, and sometimes you can download content straight through the browser. Not really a lot of gaming stuff there so much. And then uh, Apple is still worried about malware downloads on the Mac. I mean, I guess everybody worries about malware. And uh, Tim Sweeney has been bugging Tim Cook about this for years. So apparently Tim Sweeney has been trying to unwind the Apple Store policies for years and They've even like tracked down old emails that he sent directly about this stuff before any of this free Fortnite or any of this stuff happens. So it's it's like we said at the very beginning of this, like even though in this situation Epic looks like, you know, the underdog fighting against the big corporate structure that is Apple, I mean, it's also a big corporate structure. Like there's if we, the people, can get some kind of win out of this by anybody reducing prices, I'd be amazed. But for the most part, like, even if you can buy your V-Bucks somewhere other than on iOS, uh, you know, without having to pay that 30% markup, like, I don't know how much better of a deal you're really going to get. Like, you're not going to all of a sudden have affordable skins and stuff they're always going to be just that extra money they're trying to squeeze from you anyways and they just want that money more for themselves than giving some to apple so you know we'll find out what happens we'll find out how this changes i think i heard that it'd be maybe like end of august september when we finally get like some kind of ruling on this possibly so you know we'll make some updates as we see more about this but it's been an interesting journey it's Seems like it's been a lot longer that this has been going on for than it has, but like, you know, conclusions are are coming too. Yeah, we'll see how it turns out, man. I'm definitely excited to see how this, you know, really changes that, um, really just the app stores in general and how business is done in the gaming world. So pretty stoked to see how this all turns out. Uh, Okay, so next, uh, the... Big thing that we've been talking about for quite a while is Nintendo Switch Pro may be revealed before E3. That's Sean Keane at CNET. And, um, you know, like I said, we've been talking about this one for a while. Uh, It's bound to happen, right? Like, if we keep talking about it, it's going to happen. So all I'm hoping for this console is that we're seeing, like, a general upgrade on things like storage, battery life, maybe upscaling. Yeah, like, just a few things here and there, but really like what you saw at the PS4 and the PS4 Pro, right? can still play the same games it can upscale them with whatever like no issue having like you know lss yeah just like a few things here and there to make it truly worth it now what they're saying in one of the uh, reports that i read it might have been this one is that they would be discontinuing the old model of the switch 
and they'd be releasing a new one that would be priced around the $300 range, if not more, and that they would probably keep the light as the other option, mm -hmm. which is their replacement in a sense for the 3DS because that was discontinued and a DS or 2DS. And so, I, I mean, I'm not super excited about it to, to be honest, dude. Like, even if it's called the Super Nintendo Switch or the new Nintendo Switch or Switch XL or uh, whatever the hell else they want to call it, it's just another switch in my mind. And unless there's something like super critical that's going to be a game changer for me in my current console situation, I'm not super excited. And I mean, I, it'll have the ability to do 4K and it'll have a 7-inch OLED screen, assuming, which will be a way better screen. But here's the, the question, right? Like, is it going to use the same docking station? Would it have a brand new docking station? Are we talking about a console that... It's going like, to fully replace the old model. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing that kind of scares me, right? It's like, how much of it do I have to buy? And if I have to buy a completely brand new console to get a lot of those benefits, then I, I guess I might end up how doing many, that. It how just many depends. different DS consoles did you have? Uh, honestly, I picked up a lot of my DS consoles later on in the life cycle. So, so you, never, you never went from like having a DS to having a DS Lite to having a 3DS to having a new 3DS. No, because a lot of my this stuff... Is, this is Nintendo. This is how Nintendo's been yeah. running its its portable hardware for years. They do like, this. I can, I can tell you, for example, like I never had Game Boy. I had Game Boy Color. Uh, I never had Game Boy Advance. I had Game Boy Advance SP. Uh, I While I owned DS... So you got the Switch, and you should have just waited for this one. Well, I mean, five years, though, right? So it's not like it's a couple years down the road. It's not like... What was it's it? a midlife jump. Yeah. This yeah. is what they needed to do to, like, the Wii to push it to keep going and not have jumped all the way to the Wii U. Yeah, or realistically, the Wii U... Should have done to the Wii U to keep it going instead of just abandoning it. Yeah, the Wii U probably should have been pushed more so as an upgrade, as a Wii console with some yeah. extra benefits, versus it being pushed as this totally new thing, which confused consumers, because for them, they're like, why am I getting a Wii U? Yeah. Which the Wii U is a fantastic console. But no, so I've, I've always kind of jumped in the, in the life cycle with Nintendo. I've never truly had like the first console except for the switch here and even like the ds and 3ds like my ds my original ds somebody gave to me for free mm. so i didn't have to worry about that my ds Lite, i bought for ten dollars from somebody and then my 3ds i think i picked that up for 50 yeah so i i never like i've never had to purchase one new and honestly as far as nintendo consoles are concerned i've actually outside of the wii u and my Super Nintendo, and that was purchased for me when I was a kid, I had never purchased a Nintendo console new. See, outside of... Um, I mean, I, I think that this is going to actually give me a lot of room here. Because, like, I got really close before to getting that uh, Let's Go one for the Switch. Yeah. But, like, I love me, uh, you know an exclusive console and they've been doing more of those with switch. So I think I'll just wait for them to come out with the new switch pro and then find a good bundle. That's going to, you know, be exclusive and have like, you know, the stylized on it. And hopefully mm -hmm. they go like the whole nine with it and do it all. Like with the Mario one that they made, there was like, they actually changed like the backplate color too. It wasn't just like some etching and some different color joy cons. Yeah, and I mean, we've got the Pokemon, what is it, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, 
are getting their re-releases. You've got the new Pokemon game. Uh, was it Arceus or something oh, that's coming I out? I don't think I would get those. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I want, I'm talking like I want to see like a Metroid 4, yeah, Metroid we, Prime 4 version that's got like yeah. dope colors and stuff. And the whole Switch looks like Samus's ship or something. Well, I mean, we might see something with Zelda because of Breath of the Wild 2. I mean, there's a variety of options of things that can come out down the road. Um that are going to be there so yeah i'm right there with you the only problem now is scalpers and how the hell do we get around that and being able to pick up a console because i mean we've seen if anything like that animal crossing console that thing was going for like a good 800 dollars at some time yeah you know like now i can i can go into a walmart or a target and find it you know and it's not super rare because they've been producing more so i guess it's more so as long as those consoles are not released from a a limited release standpoint and it's just not, you know, oh, well, we're going to do this one run and that's it, making an instant collectible, then I'll be happy to pick up like an etched out new Nintendo Switch down the road. I, I think one thing that we kind of missed here, and I think a lot of people missed, and whoa, and I think uh, this <laughs> makes, shorter. makes a lot of uh, sense to me, is we've all known that it's going to be coming soon. Why didn't anybody think about it being announced prior to E3? Like, it makes sense for them to then be able to use their whole lineup to talk just about games and be able to talk about games that are going to be on this system. So if they announce it this week before E3 comes out or next week before E3 comes out, boom. Now they don't have to spend any of their conference time actually talking about the console. They can jump straight into launch lineup games. And I think that that's a tremendous idea. And it's like, okay, yeah, obvious. Why Why didn't we think of that as an option before? Yeah. Well, we'll see, dude. Uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing so hard, man. That chair went down. Uh, I mean, seriously, I wish we would record these episodes right. sometimes via video. Like, I'm just, if you all could, like, see it. See me fidgeting I'm, around the he's whole just, time? He's fidgeting the whole time of his chair, and he just drops down. And just, like, he's reaching up with his neck to try and hit the speaker. Or via microphone. Okay, so uh, next one here to discuss, dude, is why E3 is irrelevant and unnecessary in 2021. I think we both have uh, differing opinions on this one. Uh, for my opinion is I can't see this event staying you know, relevant in the next five years. Uh, as much as I've enjoyed E3 over the years, I think the digital events are going to be the way to go for a lot of these big companies. And we got a taste for that with like the PS5, the Xbox... Uh, uh, everything Xbox last Series year. X, yeah, everything. Nintendo Direct, State of Plays, like all of those things got me what I wanted as a consumer. Got me excited for what was to come, and I didn't need a stage like E3 to make that happen. And, and also, we get it more spread out, and we get more exposure as opposed to just like everything you can cram into four days once a year. Like I feel like we get these State of Plays a couple times a year now. We get Nintendo Directs throughout the year. We get, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Obviously, there's other, you know, well, like I, PAX has announcements uh-huh. and stuff. And well, we see stuff at the Game Awards every year for announcements as well. When well, you've got the Tokyo Game Show Expo, yeah. like that happening as well. Like, why do we need E3 at that point? There's so many other shows. E3, like, yeah, it's been kind of that big conference. It's been a staple in the industry. It's been a big yeah. part. I, I've always loved E3. I always get excited for it every year, but... I'm with you. I I don't think that E3 will survive to see the end of the PS4's life cycle at this rate. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not as exciting as it used to be. And uh, I really do think that at the end of the day, a lot of these companies, and, and here's the other thing too, 
is, and this article might be the one that calls it out, is companies are spending anywhere from five to ten million dollars for a booth at E3. Yeah. Like, why would you put that five to ten well, million dollars? Well, that was at its peak in two thousand six. Okay, so at its peak in two thousand six, five to ten million dollars for a booth at E3. Why would you do that when you can put a fraction of that into doing a uh, a digital show? You know, you could put you could build a whole flipping auditorium with that type of money in your like in your actual facility and invite various publications and such or, or news publications to come out and cover your entire event. Open like an Xbox museum. Yeah, like there's with so, a theater in it. <laughs> there's so much you could do with that. And I just I don't understand like dude, even in the business that I'm in, right? We spend money on booths and such and sponsorships. I can tell you damn well it's not even anywhere close to five to ten million for a booth of that of like what they have in these conferences. It's well, just not gotta, even close. You gotta wonder too, like, so when they do an E three presentation from Microsoft, are they taking a little bit of everybody's marketing budget? to put that together to market all those games at once? Or is that its own separate cost to the marketing budget that they already have set aside for each of those individual games? Like, are they throwing money after money? Um, so I think at the end of the day, they have a marketing budget that's set aside for these conferences. And if it's anything, you know, like the companies I've been part of, you know, you have a conference and you say, okay, this conference, our budget is, you know, just I'll throw a number out there, just say $300,000, right? That's what our budget for this conference is going to be. We're going to have a booth. We're going to do this. We're going to have production and such. We need to send people out there. So this is how much money is going towards sending people out there. Uh, oh, we're going to demo software. But at the end of the day, when you demo things like software, there isn't like a crazy cost tied to it, right? You're more, you're more so paying for the hardware that's going to make that happen at the event. If I have, you know, if I want to demo with sales reps, at a conference to have 20 monitors with those reps demoing different games. I'm not paying to have the game demoed. I'm paying for the actual hardware in which the demo is going to be on, like to rent that out and ship it. Like that's where your hard costs are coming from. And at the end of the day, why would we need to have a conference for people to go get excited for these demos when the companies can just say, release a digital demo. How many times has Nintendo been like, Oh, by the way, this is available right now. Oh, by the way, this demo is available right now. I mean, not even just Nintendo. Other people do that too. But it's like now when you've got like digital release stuff, it's like it would make sense to be able to play those demos from home instead of just on the show floor. Yeah. And it just it does make me wonder, like if E3 goes away, then do you have that hype still that's going on? Right. Like, is it going to be one of it? Like, I guess in a sense, you kind of have to have E3 because that's how you create the hype. Like, because that event's going on, and then it's a digital platform. But at the same time... Where else will they show off Just Dance? <laughs> Every year, the Just Dance performance. Just Dance performance, and then uh, Limited Run Games and their crappy digital... Uh, like, God, that was a worst presentation when they did it. I can't wait to see what they come with this year. But yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I, I guess there is a place... I would take it back. I guess there is a place and there is relevancy for E3 uh, moving forward but only for the hype component. And I don't think that as a business, it's going to generate a ton of revenue because those companies are going to start going a little further into their own digital uh, landscapes. So it might be one of those things that it's going to continue happening, but on a digital basis, and it's not going to be profitable for the company running E3. 
whichever i don't even know what company runs it to be honest so one of those e's probably one of those e's runs it so maybe it's e one two or it's three <laughs> okay so the next thing of course is tied to e3 for us as well and this is uh biggest e3 2021 games that will definitely be shown and this is kai shinkle and it's at screen rant uh ryan do you have a list of the games that they say are going to be released or not released so, but shown it's just three okay uh Starfield, Breath of the Wild 2, Halo Infinite. So, of the three of these, obviously all of these have to be shown for different reasons. They gotta show Starfield. They've been talking about Starfield for a couple years. Microsoft wants to show off what they just spent all that Bethesda money on because, I mean, as far as as far as far I'm concerned, Elder Scrolls 6 is still just like an imaginary thing. I don't think that's any closer to being like really something they spent money on than it is something that I could spend money Elder on. Scroll 6 or uh, Skyrim? Skyrim 2. Skyrim's where it's at. Skyrim 2. <laughs> Skyrim 2. With Skyrim 2 coming out. Skyrim Microwave Edition. Uh, Breath of the Wild 2, obviously, uh, they didn't want to say anything a couple weeks ago or uh, maybe a month ago now at that last Nintendo Direct because they're waiting for E3. So we know that's coming. And then Halo. Halo had had such a a bad showing last year when they showed it off that they delayed it. And I've heard some interesting ideas about, like, what if they just showed the exact same trailer again, but with all the upgrades and modifications and show all the time that they put in so that you could do a one-to-one comparison and be like, okay, now this is where they did all the polishing. I don't really think that they would do that. I think that they would want to get away from that and show in a new light and just let that become apparent that it looks better. Yeah. But uh, that would be an interesting take. I think all of these are obviously going to be show-stopping, amazing trailers, hopefully. Hopefully we get gameplay for all of them. Like, I, as far as I can remember for, like, the original Breath of the Wild and stuff, like, I don't remember seeing a lot of gameplay for that before it was out i mean i'm sure there was some but not like really crazy like in-depth e3 like let's walk you through 15 minutes of the game like you see sometimes yeah i don't think they ever did that i think we'll we'll definitely see starfield something has Wild, to have gameplay trailer if they just show cinematic trailer for starfield they're gonna be idiots oh yeah for sure i mean well here's the thing man like with the halo thing just kind of touch on that i think it would be beneficial for them to kind of show uh you know that old footage and have it side by side like literally running at the exact same time to show the differences and how things are polished and really just kind of calling out like we heard you guys as uh you know consumers we understood you know what you were looking for in a game here's all the changes that we made we're looking forward to releasing this for you i think by showing that they were wrong and really just kind of showcasing that game and what they were able to accomplish by revisiting and, and kind of doing what they needed to do and showcasing the xbox's power i think that's going to speak a lot of volume versus just oh here's a halo game because i think at the end of the day it's not going to go away the old like crappy trailer and what happened yeah. i think people are going to talk about it but i think they just kind of really need to address it and really just kind of call it out like here's everything we did that'd be the way to get out in front of it yeah i think that's the best way to approach it and i mean if i was part of that marketing team that's what i'd be doing um 
Breath of the Wild 2, I definitely think we're probably not going to see some gameplay. We we might, but I think we're going to see more of a cinematic type trailer where it might have like gameplay actually being shown. Uh, but it'll be more of that, you know, the musical score and stuff in the background and showing Link running around and uh, all of that good stuff. I just so. want to know what's going to be different because like the thing is, and we've seen games like Genshin Impact and other games that like people say, oh, this is like Breath of the Wild or, you know, like even... Um, the Horizon Forbidden West footage stuff that came out, like, yeah. you know, people are like, oh, they've got a glider now. This is just like Breath of the Wild. Well, I think that... Well, there was gliders in games way before that, too. Like, well, I think we just need to acknowledge that, like, games before have established, like, games were Doom clones until they weren't. Games are Souls-like until they aren't. You know, Breath of the Wild established such a good format and such a good feel... That for games to not learn from that and take those things and use them moving forward as a skeleton would be stupid. So I really want to see what they do next. Because Breath of the Wild was great. And it was an amazing base. Mm-hmm. I want to see what they add to that that they couldn't fit in the first time. Now that they've had years to refine and add and tweak. And I'm sure that there's going to be some really cool stuff in that. And... I don't want to wait till I can get my hands on to see some of it. I'd like to see some of it. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, as far as E3 in general is concerned and what's being shown, I mean, I'm not super excited about this E3, to be honest with you, dude. It's not one that I've been looking forward to just because there isn't, outside of a Nintendo console, I don't feel like there's any big announcements coming up. Like, there's nothing that's been I'd like leaked. to see more of Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, I've got that on my list of what I want to see. Uh, Dragon Quest Twelve seeing some information on that they're saying that that's gonna be more of like an adult type focus on that i want to see elden ring whatever's coming up oh with that. yeah elden ring they that's, hopefully have a good showing that should have been on this list honestly yeah I, it might be in the beginning like that they're they might show it but uh elden ring is one and then any sort of new souls game is welcome any sort of new souls game as that's long as elden it's that ring team is. what's that that's what elden ring is uh i don't think it's supposed to be a souls based game i think it's basically well, they're like, the same studio and they can only make one game at a time yeah but it's like the love child between guillermo del toro and george rr R. martin and them i mean i'm telling you if they turn that into a souls game because we haven't really seen anything i mean dude we've only seen like a minor trailer for it and it was just kind of like the elden ring like logo and other crap like there's been no trailer for this whatsoever there was that leaked footage a few months ago was there i didn't see anything like it that. was like f- like 15 seconds of grainy footage or something yeah oh and i want to see more on the harry potter rpg that i want to see more of that should be pretty badass uh and i think nintendo finally needs to announce mother 3 being localized that I, you know what else man i would love to see playstation vr 2 that's that's what I need. Some PlayStation VR two. We'll likely see that announcement on the uh, reworked PlayStation five. There's rumors around that that they could be looking at a slim in the next year, uh, which would be pretty cool. Uh, you know, we had talked about that a while back with the PS five getting a new chipset and everything, which should help it overall in terms of production uh, and trying to get some more consoles out into the market. But at the same time, uh, they're they're talking about there might be a, a slim model and redesigning it to make it easier to push consoles out. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm not super excited, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna hold my breath and, and see what comes out. And then there's always the stuff that we've never seen, world premiere stuff. You can't predict what that's gonna be, but it'd be cool to get some 
some really knock your socks off stuff. Yeah, and you know, like we've done every year, I think this will be our third E3 roundup coming. Oh wow, third E3 roundup. That's kind of scary. Uh, so we'll be doing a roundup E3 on E3 number three, our third E3 roundup three. Uh, so yeah, we'll be doing our roundup and everything that we enjoyed uh, from the conference uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So the conference is what June 11th, June to 12th. 12th to the 16th yeah so we'll be talking about it the uh it starts on it starts so. on a saturday so we'll probably do like our recording after day one and then we'll have to talk about the rest of the conference the next week yeah unfortunately that's just how it works out guys uh all right well before we move on to our next section just a Friendly reminder, you can find us on all your favorite podcast applications out there, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And you can find us on thegamedeflators.com as well as social media at thegamedeflators on Instagram and Facebook and at gamedeflators on Twitter because they just don't like the. No, the. And of course, five-star reviews all around. And if you leave six, leave six or leave two five-star reviews on separate accounts. <laughs> okay, so uh, digging into our game here this week. Evil Dead Regeneration is our inflation deflation Duke. developed by Cranky Pants, published by THQ, produced by Rafael Hernandez, released in September of 2005, a horror game, rover reception of 6.8 out of 10. Ryan, is it a 6.8 out of 10? Dude, we've been so lucky lately. I feel like looking back at our, you know, 132 episodes before this, we've definitely had our share of games that are like you know, but we've been on a streak, man. This was another like great game that I never even heard of and was on a console that I never owned or, you know, played a whole lot. Like I played some Xbox, but mostly like Halo and stuff like I, I've only seen the Evil Dead uh, remake movie that came out in like 2016, 2017, something like that. Uh, this was great. Yeah, I, I like the actor who plays Ash. I've seen him on uh, Burn Notice, which everybody hates Burn Notice, but I like that show. Uh, great one-liners and quips and uh, silly, campy horror. Uh, way too many bullets. Chainsaw for a hand. This has everything that you want in like a fun game. Like it's that old like linear action. You don't have to count your bullets. You know, health pickups are just a thing like you kill a guy and then there's a little glowy thing that gives you health back. It's not like more modern games. It Your wife was sitting down with us while we were playing it. And like the appeal of something that is like a little more linear and does harken back to like older games because it's like I feel like it's hard to pick up a game nowadays that isn't just like open world, like go wherever, do, you know, climb the tower to unlock a new part of the map like going back to these older things always feels so good and like this game felt so xbox i know it was like on all the consoles but it felt so xbox to me for some reason maybe it was just because there was a lot of green in the game maybe i well i mean the case was green and some of the cover was green well uh, like in the game like the, all the enemies yeah. were glowing green yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, I don't and know, it had that edginess that like Xbox was kind of known for at the time. Oh, maybe the PlayStation has blue. I have no, I don't know if I have it on PlayStation. I'll have to check. Uh, but do you do I, that? Do you buy the same game on multiple consoles? No, I happen to find the same game on okay. multiple consoles, but I don't buy them. On you this. don't keep them. No, sometimes I do. 
Uh, like I've got several games that I've got on both consoles. Hmm. Yeah, it happens all the time. I've got games that are on PS2 and PS3 for the most part. Same thing with like, well, I guess Xbox and 360. I don't think there's any crossover games uh, that I'm aware of. Probably there's some. There might be, yeah. But like I've I've got like Mortal Kombat games on the GameCube, and I've got them on you know the PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've got them on the Xbox, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just how it ends up being, right? Like, you come across a huge collection, you pick it up, you've got multiple games that are on the same, on different consoles, but they're the same thing, and you just you keep them sometimes, um, which is nice, because I like the, the ability to just say, you know what, that one maybe didn't have as good of graphics, this one had better gameplay, because there are differences in some of those games in terms of quality. Like, I want to say the GameCube versions of, like, the Resident Evil games are supposed to be pretty decent overall and i mean yeah they would be because you had like one two and three released on the uh the playstation one and i've got them on gamecube you know so it's like better graphics Are remake was on gamecube well yeah but you had one two and uh three and four on gamecube as well and i want to say four apparently has better graphics than the playstation 2 version so the remember. playstation version added stuff because the gamecube was the original release gotcha uh, but yeah, either way, so to answer the question, yes, I probably do have this on the PlayStation 2, and um, I do occasionally get games that are on the same console. Uh, but dude, I, I'm right there with you. I, I agreed with you on the game. I felt that it felt very Xbox-like. Kind of made me want to play Stubbs the Zombie mm. in the future for another game. Maybe Halloween we could do that one. But um, I felt the chainsaw hands were great. I felt that the uh, controls overall were super fluid. The music in the background was great. The, the quips voice were acting. funny. The voice acting was really good. The enemies were actually pretty spot on. It wasn't too hard. It wasn't too easy. That boss battle was fun, dude. Like, we jumped into that one boss battle, and it was so funny. Like, we knew it was a boss battle coming up. Just, oh, there's a bunch of boxes here with health. Oh, there's more boxes of health. He just said, I don't have a good feeling about this. Yeah. (laughs) Here's a save point. Okay, it's a boss battle. Like, we just straight up knew. But, you know, it, it reminded me a lot like the spider-man games in a sense because there is some linearity to it right in the original spider-man games there is that whole like i don't have a good feeling about this there's the saving right before a big boss battle like all of that classic games yeah super classic definitely enjoyed it and uh, i would have to say that um you know in what i saw i didn't believe it was a 6.8 i thought it might be like a 7.5 to an 8 uh but let's look at uh, brass tacks dude so most expensive version of this game is going to be your PAL copy on PS2. Complete in box is running at forty-seven seventy-seven, and your cheapest version, funny enough, is the Xbox at sixteen oh seven. Loose, yeah, loose. A uh, complete in box copy of Xbox is going for twenty-eight thirty. Uh, that peaked at twenty-eight sixty-three back in April of this year, and it's still trending up like pretty much every damn game console. And a loose copy will run you sixteen oh one. It peaked at twenty dollars and twelve cents back in March of this year, of course. And it is actually trending down. There's like a major spike down on this game. So I think it's more so. It's just one of those things. Somebody probably overpaid for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a consistent line going up. So it might be one of those things that somebody just kind of underpaid it up for cheap. It. Yeah. So I would say at twenty eight thirty. I mean, it's hard with this type of market, right? Because it's like, climbing, like. Two years ago, this game would have been like in a perfect position to pick it up. Yeah, probably like fifteen bucks, right? Roughly. I mean, that that would be my guess, just based on the current market and how things are looking. Yeah, yeah. In twenty nineteen, this was like a fifteen dollar game. Yeah, 
and I, I think it's definitely worth it being 15 bucks. And so I guess here's the thing. If the entire game market has doubled in price for all of these games, right? And say money has stayed the same, or you're making more money now. $28, I think, is a fair price in today's market. If we were looking at this two years ago, no way $28 is a fair price for this game. 15 bucks all day long two years ago. But today, I think 28 is going to be just right. It's just the new normal. Yeah. I, I think that's realistically I mean, what you're not is. getting more game for your money, though. We're just deciding that now these collector's items are worth pursuing, which is just driving the cost up. Two years ago, nobody was interested in collecting Xbox. But now that we've seen how much more expensive all games are becoming because more people are getting into the hobby, really, you know, you're out, you're competing against more people and that just drives it up. So I think that I'm going to say that that inherently makes it inflated. I I can't agree with you on a just right for this one because it's, it, that's exactly what's going on here. Like this game isn't more worth your money being almost twice the price that it was two years ago. You know what? Yeah, I'll go there with you. I'll say this is inflated because the entire market itself is being inflated right now. And who knows if it'll ever go back down to those numbers that we saw several years ago. Uh, maybe we'll see a fluctuation where certain games just start to kind of teeter off as people start moving. Here's the thing. Nobody has an unlimited amount of money, right? So if I'm... Tell somebody, that to Jeff Bezos. That's true. If I'm looking to... Uh, look to collect on PlayStation 2 and I'm a new collector and that's what I want to do is collect PlayStation 2, I might be ignoring the other consoles. And you're going to get to a point where certain generations are collected more so than others. So I think, you know, we might see something where, like Atari years ago, I'm sure was pretty collectible. It's teetered off to almost nothing nowadays. What's to stop Nintendo and Super Nintendo from taking the same hit several years from now when a lot of the folks that are like our age are just like, yeah, I'm done collecting on those consoles. I don't want to collect them anymore. I've got all that I want. You know, at that point, are you going to see those consoles start to lose a lot of that value as people start transitioning into some of the more disc-based games moving forward? Well, and once people, you know, eventually move away from having their collections yeah, in general. Well, yeah, there was a guy I was reading recently. He sold his, he felt so bad because he sold his entire collection just before COVID to keep his family afloat. And he's pissed because, you know, now it's worth a lot more than what it was back then. But at the end of the day, you... You sold your your game consoles and, and your games to keep your family afloat. Like that was the right move at that point in time. And you know, money's money. Like you can over time you can start whittling away and picking that collection back up. It's gonna be more expensive, but at least you can, you know, at least you, you can might, still have it. It may even give you a better idea of what's actually worth it. Yeah. Because instead of having everything because it's cheap, you're really only gonna have the things that you actually want. Yeah, but unfortunately, game prices are just stupid nowadays. I mean, Pokemon games are running like a hundred bucks a pop. Like it's dumb. So, like complete box copies at least. Yeah. So we'll we'll see, dude. How I this can all tell turns you for out. sure that uh, Sapphire on the GBA is sixty one dollars loose. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb, so dumb. But yeah, so I'm right there with you, Dan. Uh, we'll say this is inflated just based on the pure market, in a sense, manipulation in the sense of these games going up in price. Uh, so you'll probably want to type that one out there. And um, yeah, 15 bucks all day long if you find this one. All right. So do we have plans for our next game? Uh, so next week, 
we will be doing actually a different format for the episode. We'll be doing summer games. We'll be talking about all the games that you can play over summer and just kind of what kind of games are like chill, relaxing, you know. So like gaming and chill. Like yeah. Netflix and chill. Just gaming and just chill gaming. for the summer. Yeah. And it's more so on the, you know, the old Netflix and chill, how that works out. It's more of the gaming and, hey, leave me alone. Right. And that's, that's what it comes down to. Literally chill. How Getting about, inside from the heat. Don't touch about, me. I, I'm thinking we could potentially play uh, Ridge Racer 7. And maybe we do... Uh, what's another game that you would want to play? Uh, Summer for me screams something like Mario Sunshine or something. Okay. So I think we'll have our lists. And maybe we'll play those two games. Kind of dig into it a little bit. Kind of reminisce about those old days of summer. And... Uh, We'll see how that goes. Should be fun. And then after that, we'll have the E3 extravaganza. Yes, we'll see how that goes. Uh, that'll be in two weeks. I guess, yeah, two weeks. So you can't, I guess, yeah, we can record this week and then the following week. Yeah, so we should be fine. Yeah. I was just wondering, like, schedule-wise, how things are working out. We got it. Yeah, we got it for sure. We got you, fam. We're here. All right. Well, this has been episode 133 of the Game of Flaters podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.